Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. Welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. I'm your host, David Valentine. Today, uh, we have a return guest, Mallory Basor. Uh, she works for Staff One. She's the Senior HR and Client Services Development Manager there. See that you got a nice uh, promotion there, Mallory. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you? Doing great. It's great to have you back. This is going to be so much fun. Absolutely. I'm very happy to be back. Okay, awesome. Well, I know that before we turned record on, we were talking a lot about training and kind of the experiences that you've been having as of late interacting with um, different staff members and different people across the country about training. So why don't you just kind of dive in with, uh, you know, big, broad terms. When you say training, what do you mean? Because, like, training is a is so big, it's so huge. Can you define for our audience a little bit about, uh, you know, what you wanted to talk about today? Absolutely. So, obviously, training on systems and operational procedures matters of of that nature are really important. What I really want to discuss is um, training on soft skills, training for your managers, for your leaders, for the people that you want to invest in and develop, um, compliance training as well, because I think these are really vital for employers and they don't always necessarily get all of the attention that they should and it's not always an initiative that is taken seriously or followed through on. Okay, so just right off the top, like why aren't those initiatives taken seriously or followed through on? I mean, these are big, you say soft skills, those are, you know, really foundational skills that help an employee really elevate themselves to, uh, you know, a different position or to get a promotion. And it also elevates the company because if you're, uh, you know, selling a product or service, whatever you're doing, you you really, I mean, if your people have good soft skills, you can go a long way. So, so why don't people take these serious and, and follow through on them? I think for the most part, there is a general assumption that certain soft skills, you know, communication, for example, is common sense. So there's an expectation that your people will already have this skill, but what I found is that they don't necessarily have that skill or it's just not one that's really practiced or they had no formal training in skills like that. Additionally, training in and of itself that's a, a cost center. There's going to be an upfront cost to take people, you know, off the line, out of the day to day to complete a training or a workshop. Even if it's just like an hour long webinar or something like that, that's an hour there where they're not taking calls, where they're not, you know, running accounts payable, whatever it is that they do. So it can be short sighted, but I do see a lot of employers that just don't understand the value that they're going to get the return on their investment into their people through training because eventually yes you know when you improve soft skills of your people you will see that pay out in dividends you'll you'll have people that feel engaged they feel like you are investing in them so they're more motivated to stay with you longer 
and the way they'll interact with each other improves and the way they interact with your own customers is going to improve, which, you know, that elevates your reputation as a company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So when you talk about soft skills, can you just define for us what some of those soft skills are? Because different people have different things that they'd say, oh, that's a soft skill or no, that's not. Absolutely. I think the basics for soft skills, what I always recommend folks start with, communication for sure, because it is so vital to everything that we do. You, maybe you're not actually interacting face-to-face with someone, but you're, you're going to interact with people maybe through email, over the phone, even through an instant messenger. There's all kinds of different ways that we communicate. We communicate non-verbally, so I think that one is very essential. I also think it's important to give uh, professional etiquette training, how to conduct effective meetings, how to you know, write emails. Soft skills like time management are really important as well. Uh, conflict management and resolution, problem solving and decision making. These are again things that most people think, well that's just common sense or I can maybe give a little bit of coaching here and there, a snippet or two and, and they'll be fine. But formal training in these, it doesn't take a lot of time as an investment and it's so worth it. You know, Talking about um, for managers, giving them training on, on delegation. There's a lot of pushback for, for managers even on, on that. So teaching them you know, when that's appropriate, how you can do it, selecting the right person for that. I think it's really important as well as motivation, mentoring, um, even customer service, which I recommend that for everybody, not just actual customer service representatives. But if you think about it, Everyone that you're interacting with is your customer because you're a representative of your employee in your role. So maybe your customers are the other people in your department. Maybe your customers are the vendors that you have to manage. But you you will have customers of one kind or another. So I think that having that service attitude and going through that training is extremely beneficial for anybody. Okay, so I agree, <laughs> um, and, and I think that a lot of people, you know, as, as, as you said, they assume that people can figure it out, um, that, you know, this is just something that people should know, and so I can train this into them pretty easy, because this is elementary, if you will, but you know, and I know, that it's not elementary, that a lot of people struggle with these skills, so whenever you kind of talk about doing some of these trainings or you're actually actively doing them, what is some of the secret sauce that you're helping people work through to get the most out of their staff by teaching them some skills that they thought, oh, this would just be easy to teach them myself? What are you doing differently? Well, I I offer a variety of suggestions as to like, you know, the method that you're delivering the training in because I want it to be something that works well for my clients. So if if it's easier to get everybody together in a room, let's do it in person. If it's easier to, you know, utilize um, software, if you've got, you know, a tech-focused group, maybe you want to implement a learning management system and people can do it at, at their leisure and you can assign different um, trainings to them depending on their specific needs or maybe you could do um, something that's, you know, blanketed for everybody but give them a deadline for that. I also emphasize the importance of understanding the way people learn. You know, there's 
visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, um, and making it fun. I think that's that's really important is is to just make the training as fun and engaging as you can. And as a part of that, I like to throw in exercises or homework that require participants to give an example of how they will actually apply what they've learned in their job. And they can take that really far. You know, if you want to say, all right, Mr. Manager, please tell me how you're going to implement this um, time management training and the, uh, the, the effect that it will have on you, the effect that it's going to have on your team, and the effect that it's going to have on the company. Oftentimes, they will start to see that there is an impact to the bottom line from implementing what they've learned in training. So, for example, if it's time management and the manager is able to then, you know, use delegation skills that perhaps they learned at another training um, to more effectively manage their time and then they can focus their abilities on some more strategic items or something that would create, you know, a, a revenue center for the company, then bam, that training was worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Okay, so... You mentioned some other training out there. I know we talked about emotional intelligence before as well. What are some things that that you would also recommend or that you've seen kind of be neglected? And I'm using that word intentionally by companies and in the training for their staff. Oh, that's a big one. So what I see neglected the most is HR-related training in the area of compliance. So. I think the general notion is that these matters only relate to the HR department. The HR department deals with these things, so a formal training on these matters isn't necessary for, you know, line managers or other leaders, executives, but it absolutely is. I think it's essential to mitigate risk that you ensure everyone is informed of, you know, how to interview in a compliant way, how to select the right candidates, how to give performance appraisals in a legal and compliant way so there's no discrimination. Giving an EEOC training, giving a training on the Americans with Disabilities Act, on uh, Family Medical Leave Act, even on HIPAA. Um, once you are required to comply with those laws, I think it's, it's a good idea to make sure that your executives and your management and, and supervisors are all aware of these things because the issues that come up, the claims that you get, are going to most likely be from people that are being managed, right, by managers that don't know what they have to be compliant with. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that that's so key is there's so mu- so often this um, – man, how do I say this delicately, there's this level of, well, that's that department's responsibility to take care of said task. And in reality, those tasks often get democratized unless you're at a massive corporation, right? Uh, To your point, you probably have departments that are hiring someone. They're going through the interview process, and at some level, they, they have to be compliant because they're doing the interview process. But so often it's like, well, HR is going to handle it. And I think that's true. And so often we forget 
how, how much we need to cross train our staff. Uh, you know, this is something that I've talked about with some different hiring managers across the country, especially for companies that have under 500 staff members, that a lot of their staff, um, they really need to be accessible. They need to be able to access multiple um, kind of items um, on the team. So I think that's huge. Absolutely. And I think that generally speaking, there are some compliance trainings that everyone's pretty aware of at this point because of what's going on just in the country, in the media. So, you know, sexual harassment, workplace violence. Absolutely. You should definitely be doing that. But making sure that you are going over, you know, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and, you know, think about it like this. A supervisor has an employee that needs to take some time off work and they say, well, you know, I've got to go to the doctor. Supervisor says, no, I need you here. What if that condition was covered under FMLA? The onus is going to be on the employer under the ADA and FMLA to reach out to the employee and say, hey, we've basically been notified that you could qualify, you might need this. You don't want to get into too much about asking for medical condition information, but it's still the employer's responsibility to do their due diligence and reach out to the employee. So if the supervisor doesn't know about these things and they haven't received training and they blow off that employee's request for time off, well, now you've got a problem. All right, I'm gonna stop right there. This episode of HR Insiders is brought to you by PC Housing. PC Housing caters to business travelers and their families by providing tailored temporary housing solutions that are less like a corporate apartment and more like a home. With anytime check-in, flexible lease terms, and personalized welcome grocery packages for their guests, PC Housing provides the amenities you need to be at your best. Need something customized to fit your specific needs? PC Housing offers customizable furniture and housewares to match your lifestyle. With communities throughout the U.S. and Canada, they have the resources to simplify and enhance your temporary housing needs. Relax and know PC Housing backs its services with the risk-free PC Housing Guarantee. If you're not happy, they'll do all they can to make it right or provide a refund. PC Housing. Stop searching. Start booking. For more information, please visit our website, hrinsiderspodcast.com. That's hrinsiderspodcast.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, Mallory, so... You know, we've kind of we've kind of covered like high level soft skill, some high level, um, you know, compliance training. Let's talk about emotional intelligence for a second, because I I'm fascinated by this one, uh, in particular because we put such a high level of emphasis on emotional intelligence for my staff. But I'm interested for you. I mean, this again, it's like, you know, as a as an employer, as a company, you're always trying to prioritize. You know, what kind of training am I going to give them, if any? Uh, So when you talk about emotional intelligence, what are some of the things that you're really trying to instill in some of those trainings to help employees and therefore employers really have a, a much better workplace? Well, I think when it comes to EQ, you know, the abbreviation for emotional intelligence, I think that the bottom line of that training is empathy. Not that people are generally lacking in it, but I feel like there's so much pressure for everybody at every level to do more with less. That means there's going to be more stress. There's going to be quicker deadlines. There's, 
it's just, it's a lot for anybody. That can make us less patient when we're stressed out. It can have negative health effects on us. I mean, there's all kinds of research on the way uh, stress affects our bodies. Um, and that will, whether you're aware of it or not, affect the way that you interact with the people you work with, with your customers, with your vendors. Um, and so it is really important to be aware of these things and to go through a training on something like emotional intelligence so you can be cognizant of it um, and, and learn some tools as to you know how to deal with it when you're having an emotionally unintelligent moment. Um, whenever you're you know, in a, a difficult situation where things could be a little heated, you might be a little frustrated, that's that's when it's going to be easy to say or do things that are going to, you know, affect your career in a negative manner or um, destroy a relationship that you've taken years to build. And that can be detrimental to a company. If you think about, again, the, the risk that you have of any kind of claim coming about because somebody yelled something to somebody else that was harassing or discriminatory in some manner. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a big cost for that. Absolutely. It's tremendous cost. I, I think that one of the things, you know, for employers and, and companies is they're always thinking about uh, training as, like you said, it's like, oh, well, where do we cut costs? Well, training. And it's like, well, actually, it's a cost saving if you train your people well. Um, you know, if someone has a, a high IQ because they've been to one of your trainings, uh, or they've just found they found someone who can come in and do a training for them in this space. It makes a tremendous difference for them in the way of risk management. So now they're not worried about, um, yeah, a harassment uh, situation or just uh, people leaving. I mean, you think about how many people leave because they've had a bad interaction with a supervisor or even a coworker. They leave a a company, and that's an asset. And we know that that costs. A phenomenal amount of money to replace that individual to then train up another person to replace them and so having high EQ can change the turnover game which can save you million I mean depending on the size of your company millions of dollars every year and it, the training costs a fraction of that you know what I mean so it's like it's really thinking strategically about you know, where are we going to train our people in such a way that it's going to give us the highest ROI and for me, it seems pretty pretty straightforward to say, well, if you train people in such a way that they're going to stick around longer because they're happier, healthier people, um, then you're, you're saving some money and you're mitigating risk of someone doing something they shouldn't be doing that would put us, the company, uh, make them liable. So it seems pretty straightforward to me. Oh, for sure. And, you know, with emotional intelligence, not only is there a benefit to an employee personally as far as their health and well-being, which then in turn is a benefit to you as the employer, you have to think about things like when people are aware of stuff like that, they're then more collaborative. Again, they're going to drive more efficiencies. You're going to have better results from people in addition to that risk mitigation of claims. Right. Right. Okay, so Mallory, is there are there any other trainings that you want to talk about broadly before we kind of like drill down on some of like how to do this well? I mean, not really, unless you want to go over kind of um, methods of training and what you know, soliciting for feedback and things of that nature. 
Yeah, let's do that. Okay, great. So I think that there's no excuse not to develop your teams and to invest in, in training. And I even, I encourage employers to create training tracks. So a baseline training for everybody in a management or supervisory role where you go over soft skills and compliance. And then a secondary track where once you've done, you know, succession planning or you've identified your high performing employees where it, you go into even more training customized kind of to what their needs are and, you know, where areas of weakness that they need to uh, beef up. There's no excuse not to do it though because not only can you, you know, hire somebody to come out and do an in-person training, you can send people to um, workshops where, you know, it's a multi-day kind of a thing or maybe it's just a, a half a day situation, but there's so many out there. Um, there are webinars all over the place, different e-learning events. And then there's, you know, learning management systems, which are going to, you know, be a little bit more pricey. But again, you've got, um, you know, like reporting functionality within those. You have the ability to assign deadlines and things of that nature and kind of tie that into performance metrics for evaluations. I think that's a really key thing to do is to make it a part of what you're evaluating someone on. You know, did you attend trainings? Have you applied what you learned from trainings? I think that's a great way to make sure that it gets done. Um, and I also think it's really important as far as feedback and input is concerned. You know, I don't necessarily have a problem with surveys. I know there are people out there that don't <laughs> love to take a survey, but SurveyMonkey has a free feature and you can always send something out to your people and say, hey, you know, is there anything that you want more training in? Tell me what that is. After you've given a training, hey, how valuable did you think that was? Or what did you not find value in it? What could improve this? And just consistently be working on the training you're delivering to find out, you know, what's gonna work best for the particular group you're, you're targeting here. What is it that they need and they want so I can keep them engaged? There's nothing worse than going to a training of any kind, whether that's online or in person, whatever it is, and being bored. So people will, I give training all the time and I, I make a point to make it lively and energetic and interactive, even on serious topics, because I don't want people to just be tuning me out thinking, oh my gosh, when will she just stop talking so I can go back to my work? I want them to say, this was the most fun training I've ever had. I can't wait for her to come back because then they're really going to be, you know, using their brains and completely involved, um, really diving into the material and having some solid takeaways from that that they can then implement in their work lives. I love that. I love that, Mallory. Yeah, one of the things we talk about uh, here at our office is engage, entertain, and educate. You have to do all three E's. Uh, whenever you're giving a, a presentation, a training, you're running social media, you're doing an LMS, it doesn't matter. If you have all three of those, then you're going to keep that um, that participation high. People are going to want to be there. And uh, yeah, that makes a huge, huge difference. I love all that. Now, okay, so you said something. You're like, some people don't love to do surveys. What? W what do you mean? Some people don't love to do surveys. Why, why wouldn't that be a thing that people are about? You know, I myself am a survey lover, so I'm not really sure where it comes from, um, <laughs> except maybe they think, oh, this is going to take too much time, or, you know, this is fluff and I don't want, I just don't want to do it. 
But generally speaking, you can get really vital feedback from people through surveys if you limit what your, how many questions um, so that you're just asking the really important stuff and it's not a lot of fluff, that I think that helps. So you can say, look, this is only going to take two minutes of your time versus, you know, having something similar to some of those fun quizzes that we all know and love online that, you know, you have to answer 50 <laughs> questions to get your result, you know. Right. If you if you set the expectation, uh, you know, it's not quite that way. It's, it's going to be quick. Um, that and, and give, I also think when you're surveying folks, if you give um, multiple formats for responses, you know, multiple choice, rating scales, uh, free form answers, things of that nature, that makes it a little easier to to kind of go through as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. So, Mallory, one of the things that I want to like kind of transition to is, okay, so you're you're an employer, you're you're, you're a company, and you're trying to prioritize what training to give. Obviously, it's going to be different for each and every company because each and every company has different issues they're facing, um, you know, different goals. What what's a what's a reasonable process here to go through and kind of figure out? I need first a. We should say everyone needs training. It's just a matter of prioritizing which ones first. So, what's a process that you've kind of walked some clients through to figure out where do they start out? Well, what I typically do is I find out, you know, based on the kind of industry they're in and, um, you know, how how much are they dealing with the public, what kind of, are are you hiring people for roles that require college degrees or are you hiring people for roles that require, you know, high school diplomas only or are you hiring for roles that don't require any kind of education? Um, that's going to give me a good idea of where we need to start because, you know, typically the, the folks that are coming in and they, they've, you know, earned master's degrees, you're going to start at a, a higher level for those folks. Um, they're not going to need as many of the basics. Uh, but when you've got a group that, you know, maybe it's more blue collar or maybe they, they just lack as much, you know, formal education, then I would definitely say take the path of compliance first. Mm-hmm. Um, while also doing the soft skills. And then for the folks that have had more formal education and training in the past, I would say definitely hit on compliance because I'm all about that compliance. But you you would um, probably be able to get away with doing a little bit less of the of some of the soft skills. Yeah, okay, all right. So when you kind of identify the thing Uh, like hey here's the training that we need to do and maybe it's something that we haven't even talked about right like there are a myriad of different trainings that you can do that are really really helpful and important then is it i mean is it mallory like looking for that outside person do you pull from in-house like what what is typically the best next course of action once you prioritize your list hey we're going to do a b and c what's the next step after that is it finding an outside consultant it all depends on what it is exactly that you need. So if it's, um, you know, and you always want to be proactive when you're determining what it is that you need. Um, if you have to be reactive, you find an area that, you know, needs to be addressed immediately, certainly give training in that area. But um, if it's if you already have an internal HR department or a one-man band of HR, then if if it's an area that they... Um, feel confident in that they're knowledgeable in 
and it's, you know, compliance related or soft skills, ask them if they can do it, you know, save the money if you can. Um, if not, I would, I, I really take a look at your demographic and what it is that you're doing. If you cannot, you know, if you're running multiple shifts so you could afford to have somebody come in and do some training in person because you've got coverage, great. Um, have someone internally do it, have a manager that's very skilled in this do it, have one of your executives give training if, if they're a good trainer and have some experience in that, or you know bring somebody in um, externally. Otherwise, I would go down the route of um, something online or okay. a software of some sort, because you, you want to make sure everyone's still being productive and you're, you're still meeting your, your goals and making all the widgets that you need to make. Um, but I would, I would just, you know, start within first. See who's got the right skill set, who is capable of giving this kind of training, and who's knowledgeable on it. If, if you don't have someone that quite fits the bill, then I would look externally. Okay, so Mallory, what, I'm sure that you've given and or seen a lot of trainings in your uh, career. Is that, is that appropriate to say? Yes, a lot. <laughs> okay, so what are some, like if I asked you, what was one of the most innovative, interesting things that you've seen in a training, what would your response be? Means. Means? Oh, yes. So you have to appeal to a, a, a broad audience, right? We've got sure. several generations in the workforce, and they might all be in the same room going through the same training. So it's something that I saw, and I can't remember what training I was at. Um, I think it might have been during HR Southwest or, or something of that nature. But uh, there was just one meme within a presentation, and I thought, you know what? That made my day. So now I like to sprinkle them throughout the trainings that I'm giving. So I have a balance of, you know, I don't want to be too stiff, but I need to convey the seriousness of this message. And also, Let's throw in a little bit of fun there, a little sarcasm, a little wit, some memes. And people <laughs> react to them very well. They, they get a good chuckle out of it. Um, they, they know that I, I'm not just a corporate goon, that I've got a sense of humor. And <laughs> they're more willing to go on the ride with me. That's amazing. All right. so. That's fascinating because I think that we're always looking for things that will, to your point, speak to all of us. And, uh, you know, so much of communication at this point in time is very generationally bound. So that's fascinating. Memes being this thing that cross that crosses like the chasm of generations. That's absolutely fascinating. All right. Brilliant. Okay. So. Whenever you think about this, and you're thinking about all the trainings that you've done and all the trainings that you could do, what have been kind of some of the feedback that you've gotten from recent trainings? Like, I know you said, I think you talked about, before we hit record, you, you taught an emotional intelligence um, training recently, and you got some feedback on that. And, and I was wondering if you'd, be, if you'd be open to sharing that with our audience, just because I think that, again, sometimes we get so stuck in the... Uh, our people know this, or this is something that we can train in-house. But I think some of the, the quotes and some of the stories that you shared with me were so impactful because it speaks to the level of people not actually having those skills uh, and talents that we think that they have that some of us think are just uh, instinctual. So can, can oh, you share some of those stories, Mallory? 
Sure. So I've gotten recently from trainings I've done feedback um, on, you know, from people that have been leaders in, 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 in management for years. They're veterans now. And they've said, I've, I've never had formal training in this, in these soft skills. And I really appreciate it because you're showing an investment in me. You're helping me to develop my professional career. And I, I've gotten some, you know, for emotional intelligence specifically, some of the feedback that I got was that's something I never thought about before, but it makes a lot of sense. And I really want everyone to apply it. We need it. And I kind of felt like that was a little personal toward me. And I heard that from multiple people that it spoke to them, you know, on a level of, oh, that's something that I need to develop in myself, even though it's something that we all just assume we have right. and are good at. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's the, that's the case with so many things, too, is we're blind, um, we're blind to the things that we're not good at. Uh, and so uh, there's a, a colleague of mine who says it's unwillful ignorance, right? We don't know that we don't know. And so um, honestly, I think it's so helpful whenever someone like yourself, an expert, comes and just illuminates, hey, this is what this looks like. This is how you do it well. Um, all of a sudden, we're able to compare ourselves to a different standard other than what we have in our mind of what it looks like to do it well. And that, in and of itself, is a game changer. I love it. Absolutely. Well, and emotional intelligence specifically, I think probably every single person ever can point out someone that they're like, that. that is not an emotionally intelligent human being at work. We, we all know that, that person. Right. But looking within, that's different. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, Mallory, is there anything else you want to share with our audience again, which I love that you're so, I'm so glad that you're here for a second. Time. Is there anything else that you're like, man, I just, I want to share this about training and how to do it and where to find good training. You know, like, is there anything else that you, you didn't share that you want to share? Yes. So I think that you should align the training with the values that you uphold within your company because your management team, your executives, your leaders, they should be leading by example. Mm. So if you value, if one of your values is servant leadership, give everybody service training. I think it's really important to do that. And I also think it's really important to keep your momentum. It's not enough to meet once a year, go over sexual harassment and that's it. Once you start going down <laughs> the training road, right? You yeah. develop training yeah. tracks for different people. Things come up. I understand, you know, I've, wor I've worked in HR for a long time and it becomes a back burner item. Even for the HR professional, giving the training becomes a back burner item, but it can't be. It's gotta be made a priority. And so don't lose any momentum that you gain. Follow up with people through, you know, maybe maybe it's too cumbersome to get everybody together in person for a workshop, you know, once a quarter. Okay, we'll do one, and then, you know, the next quarter do a webinar, and then the next quarter do it through some other means. Assign homework, um, recommend different books that could be beneficial to people. I still talk about The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. That stuff's great. Great book, by and the way. 
Absolutely. And there are, there are a ton of people in the workforce, um, especially in that millennial generation, that have probably never even heard of it. So making sure that you are following up with, oh, hey, here's a great tidbit I thought that could be useful to you, or, um, you know, hey, management team, I just read this great, great book on leadership, and, and I'm going to recommend it to you continuously reaching out and showing that that is a priority for the company, I think is really important. I love that you said train based off your company values. That's such a good nugget there. I, that is I, for, uh, for our company. One of the things that we're constantly doing is we hire people based off our core values. So why wouldn't we train people based off our core values? Like that's so simple. And yet so profound, Mallory, that's brilliant. I love that. Um, because that, because I can imagine, right? Someone's like, well, we need to train on something, <laughs> whatever that is. Does it actually align with your company, who you are and who you're trying to be? Uh, man, that's a, that's a great, that's a question that I'm going to walk away with at the end of this and go, huh, how are we doing that? That's fantastic. I love that. Well, thank you. And and even the way you design and create, you know, if you create your own training, tailoring it to align with your core values. You can do communication training in a way that will align with your core values. If you have a trainer come in, um, you, do, you can always ask them, say, hey, here's what our core values are. Can you make sure to touch on these and make sure that they align? So what, what would that look like, Mallory? So like, let's say that, um, you know, we came to you and, and we were like, hey, Mallory, can you can you help us increase uh, our training about communication and here are our core values? What's kind of like the system that you would put in, the filter that you would put on to kind of explore that? Well, once you tell me what your core values are, I would build that into the training. Um, I'd start with touching on those core values and then, um, which generally, you know, you can get a big groan from everybody, be like, ah, oh, we've heard them, we know, we're familiar. Um, but then you, I would just illustrate how every aspect of what we're learning here ties back to that and to, you know, the mission as, as a whole and what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, if one of your core values is, hmm, let me try to think of one. Did you, did you, you, you want me to throw some out? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like, our top core value is tenacity. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Our our, our top core value is tenacity, being tenacious. Tenacity. Okay. Uh, so we've got so in order, um, we've got tenacity, authenticity. Um, see, now I'm on the spot, and I'm gonna have to like think through them. <laughs> uh, humanity. Um, We've got, um, see, and now I'm not going to be able to, I, I know, okay. I know I them, but you can work with those. Go, go for yeah. it. Okay. So when I think of authenticity, I think of being vulnerable and being honest and owning things, right? Absolutely. So I would tailor the communication to teach people how to communicate in a professional manner you know, in one that, although brevity is not my friend, as you've probably noticed, um, <laughs> making sure that the way that they are communicating is done in a way that truly represents not only the message that they're trying to get across, that particular communication about the widgets, 
but also doing it in a way that is true to their own nature and to how they're feeling. Um, so if you need to say, Linda, this is the fifth time that I've reached out to you about widget X and you know I, I'm getting a little frustrated, do that, but do it in a professional way. Um, so I would teach around that. And I would also teach you know, for tenacity about in your communication, really closing the loop and going full circle and taking ownership and accountability to the point at which you don't let things go. Um, not letting things fall through the cracks. If you see that there's um, you know, maybe too many emails going back and forth about something, is there a way that you can kind of more aggressively solve this? Can you pick up the phone and handle that? Um, and then as far as humanity, I would teach about really communicating with one another in an empathetic manner, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, making sure that you're reading back your, your emails to yourself where you've lost all tone and inflection to say, am I treating this person like a human being? Is, is the way I'm coming across professional or, or do I seem like a jerk right now? Um, and really taking a pause before you fire off, you know, a, an angry text or an instant message or an email, before you go confront someone in their office, mm -hmm. taking that pause to consider the fact that we are all human, right? Right, and yes. And we all make mistakes, and we all deserve dignity, and we all deserve just a little bit of slack. Right, a little bit of grace. Yeah, okay, I love that. Yeah, see, I think that's such a big deal, Mallory, because... So often you can have a training that's divorced from the, the nature of the organism. And that's what companies are. They're living, breathing organisms that have a heartbeat and a soul and an identity. And so I love that you brought that up, that you're like, no, these, don't, these aren't juxtaposed. They have to be married in order to be effective. And I think that's such a key point in this training piece is that you can't have one, you can't divorce your company values from your company training. And if you have company values, then you have to have company training. Uh, it's not either or, it's both and. Definitely. I love it. I love it. Well, Mallory, is there anything else you're like, man, I, I also want to hit this. Oh, gosh, I could probably go on all day, but I think I'm good right now. Okay, awesome. Well, hey, I love this conversation. This is so, so helpful. I, I know, I know that I know that I know that there are companies out there that are listening to this podcast. It's either a one-man band HR person or uh, it's an entrepreneur running their organization. I even have heard from some of our listeners that they're large organizations, like massive Fortune 500 companies, and they aren't doing training to the level uh, that you're talking about. Uh, it's definitely not consistent because all of us get busy and it's always a thing that we put on the back burner. So I know that this is going to be amazingly helpful. Mallory, if people want to find you because they want to learn more about the trainings and they want to kind of get more information from you, how would they reach out to you to uh, kind of get more information? I'd be happy for anybody that wants to, to send me an email. And my email address is mallory.basor at staffone.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mallory, I really appreciate the time and I appreciate um, all of your expertise. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I know that all of our listeners are going to get a tremendous amount from it. So thank you so much. No problem. And there also 
feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there too. Great, great. Well, thanks again. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you joining the show. Oh, thank you for having me.